well. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Yeah, sick. How was it? It was a good day. Yeah, you trying to throw me under the bus? Got you a plant instead of flowers. <laughs> Which is fine, because I like plants, but I do love flowers as well. And I'm always looking for a reason to receive some, so... Well, I always get the wrong flowers, so I swear I can never remember exactly what flower. What? So, so we have it on the recording. What? What flowers do you want? Every oh, time. I don't know the See? name of a flower. See. I just know there's a flower aesthetic that I'm. That's looking why for. I always get it wrong. And I have already told you which flower shop sells the exact uh, aesthetic. Yeah, but, but yeah, they you can't listen. No, no, flower shops say they change their stock out. No, but if you but if you know the florist that I like, you want me to go in there and like show them a Pinterest thing and be like, no, here, uh, they, millennial. Everything they, everything they make is great, so you can't go wrong. Basically, if you just go to where I told you to get me flowers, that's so savage. But that's okay. That's neither. Yeah, here but I'm there. not. I'm not gonna lie either, though. Um, I'm extremely hard to shop for. It's like saying, get me cl- clothes or like, I don't know, music gear. You have no idea. And I don't blame you for that. I don't even try. Yeah, you shouldn't. Um, well, what did we do today for Mother's Day? We went to church. Well, first of all, I slept in, which is what every mother should do on Mother's Day, if possible, is sleep in. As long as possible. And then went to church. Enjoyed some sweet testimonies from some moms in the church. And the sermon was really good. David Brown, yep. Yeah, enjoyed that. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then took some pics after church. Classic. Standard Mother's Day shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we drove all the way to Arlington and ate Indian food. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I was craving for today. And then for dessert, we went and had Filipino dessert. Halo Halo, which if you haven't had Halo Halo is like Honestly, I think some of the best dessert you can have. Agreed. I think we decided um, or have discovered that each other's culture is our other, the other person's favorite food <laughs> or desired dish most of the time. I don't know if it's favorite food necessarily, but so today for Mother's Day, she requested Indian food. On Father's Day, I'm requesting Filipino food. Win-win. Yeah, sisig. Chop, chop, chopped pig's ears on a skillet with a fried egg. Comes out sizzling. With chili. It's in, there's an insane amount of flavor in that. Um, and yeah. then we came home and yep. watched a movie all together. That movie was insane. Instead of going to the movies. Al- almost did, but this was a lot cheaper. Yeah, and we waited too long, so there was like no good seats at the theater. Mm-hmm. But it was fine. It was good to just relax and stay home. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, you, I mean, we, any day where there's Indian food, at any point in the day, is a great day. Yes. Right. Yes. Is it not? It changes the whole day. 
because it's such a thing. Because if you know you're getting Indian food, usually Indies, Indian food is not a surprise. Like, oh, what am? Oh, let me just casually. No, like you know, you've thought about it, you planned it a little bit, and yeah. you you drive or you make a whole event out of it. Like it's not a. You have to mentally prepare to yeah. eat Indian food, because it, the way it affects your gut. Well, I like, was not gonna go there. It's like you know you're going in. I I said nothing about that. That was not my point. There's just so much flavor in Indian food. Yes. It, you know. Yep. Absolutely. It's a it's chemical amazing. experience. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh. Let me move your mic. Hold on. It's bothering me. It might be in the right position. Okay, OCD. Um, well, in the spirit of Mother's Day, I, what I, my idea was to have you back on the pod because you were so popular in the first pod. Um, was? Yeah. People actually liked that? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I had people tell me, you know, there there's people that text me about this thing, but also people that tell me in person. I had somebody today tell me about something I said in an earlier episode. It was somebody that I did not think was listening to the thing actually but um not that it's it's not about the audience again this is about us me getting stuff (laughs) just getting stuff out uh for a month uh but it seems to be helpful there was another friend also who uh seemed to be inspired by um my pod about weight loss uh, which was also not necessarily the goal but if somebody can be helped then awesome you know yeah. Rock and roll. Uh, okay, so we did, I did one, or one of my earlier pods, one of the things I, I knew I needed to like uh, get some therapy on was, um, when, I, when I say therapy, I mean what we're doing here, which is us talking to nobody really, or me talking to nobody, um, but processing it out loud, I think, was parenting. But it really, it really wasn't, it didn't turn out to be a, uh, an episode on parenting. It was about raising kids. And actually, I think I named it Raising Kids because it was more about the experience of the last, you know, almost 17 years of having children and raising them and going through the stages of life, of littles to toddlers to whatever, all the changes. I, I think what we what didn't really happen was parenting and clearly unfair for like me to talk about parenting um, by myself because that, that's ridiculous because I've raised, uh, we've raised two boys together. So let's talk about that. Um, yeah, parenting stuff. I, I don't know. We're just going to open the camera. It's not really like a, I feel weird. I'm not really looking at you. The way you chose a set completely flat on today, which is not like last time, but <laughs> so I'm like talking to the screen. Um, no, it's like the end of the day. It's like I'm cozy. Uh, no, it's fair. Just, I don't blame you. I'm just saying I feel like I'm not talking to you. Um, so how did we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Honestly, like I just I do think no one is ever prepared to have to be a parent. And we definitely were not prepared. Can you can you be prepared? I don't. I really don't think anyone's truly quite prepared. Mm. No matter what age you are, you can be nineteen, twenty, like we were, or you can be in your thirties or even forties having a child. And you just really, even if you read so many books about it, 
or listen to podcasts or whatnot, I really don't think you're really fully prepared to take on like just the amount of change a child brings into your life. Um, you can have an idea, maybe like a rough outline of like, oh, I guess I can expect this and whatnot. But like the actual reality of going through it, I think really like slaps you in the face hmm. for sure. Having a child. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I think um, there are trade-offs and I guess I've thought about this before if you have a your first kid at let's say you're having your first kid at our age which many people i think these days are mm-hmm. thir- late 30s 36 have your first kid because you didn't get married until 31 32 you wanted to have some golden years together get everything situated then you have your first kid um i've i my guess is that is a harder harder process is probably it's that's unfair i would say no, my guess not is harder. not harder i think just but, different. Uh, yeah, just but just as hard, if not easy, if not it's not easier is what I'm trying to get at. I don't Yeah, think. just as hard. Just as hard. Hard in a different way because the the amount of independence that it's stealing from you is so much greater than the the amount of independence a baby steals from you at 20. Mm. Which was essentially none. Really? I mean, we got married in yeah. not that much longer. We it was three of us. So there wasn't and it it wasn't really taking a ton from us. Now, mm-hmm. the trade-off, the hard part was the stability mm-hmm. in careers, in I think knowing knowing who you are, uh, finances, life direction, where do you live, how do you navigate life at all as a as a human or as an adult. Um not having those things canonized and then trying to impart um, life values and skills into another person is hard, but also walking away from a really established rhythm and flow of life is hard too. To have a kid—that's my theory. I, I don't know. I didn't have. I don't have a kid at thirty-six, but I, you know, just from those I know who are having kids at this age, it's like, oh, it's, oh, it's really hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge change from their normal for yeah, so long. Yeah, yeah. So Being able to just go wherever, whenever you want, mm-hmm. do whatever. Uh, whatever. I, that's not necessarily our experience. But I think one of the things that I'm noticing is I feel like with our oldest, with Jaden, it has landed pretty good. Meaning I think he's a pretty trustworthy person, or, uh, responsible Mm-hmm. At least I think that 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 theme theme thing seems to show up pretty frequently. We get that from some of the people like at a school. His band directors tell tell us that. His drum instructors tell us that. Um, I mean, even just sitting here in here and having a conversation with them, I think it was pretty clear he's a pretty responsible, um, well developed young man. Uh, and I guess my question is, you is to you is how do we do that? How did that happen? I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I I really don't because I don't feel like. I guess I really don't feel like I had that much to do with it. I, that's crazy, but keep going. Even though, like it seems to me, he thinks we did, mm-hmm. but I don't remember doing anything like 
super, super, super intentional. Like, honestly, all I remember of having really young kids, like when my kids are really young, it felt like survival. Like every day just felt like hmm. I'm just trying to survive. Like, how am I going to like wake up in the morning and like feed these kids and like entertain them and keep them safe? Like, let's okay, let's go to the park. Let's go to Target. Okay, take a nap, TJ change Max. diapers, wait till your husband comes home, then be like, ah, oh, yay, I can like relax a little bit because Tim's home, and then like do it all over again. Like the first several years to me felt like that survival. Okay. Well, okay, yeah, okay, I, and I agree. Well, I wasn't there. I mean, I was there, but not there. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't at home. I was working. But uh, let's move past. Let's move past the the baby years. Then I think to be fair for this conversation, because I do think there is a mode that is just survival and keep them alive. Um, you know what? Let's go from elementary school on. I think I have a, I think that's where I feel like I have a hard time answering your question of like what did we do because at that age I mean they are in school and a lot of what they learn is from school really yeah. I mean we have like our way of parenting at home but we're also we were also like sending them off every day um so I do feel like, you know, that also affected them, like the teachers that they had and adults that they were around. And I also think, too, like people in our community, like just people that were around, um, like family, friends, I think also when, when they were around our kids probably like spoke to them and maybe had an effect on them. I think all positive. And some grandparent interaction too, would you say? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Family interaction, interaction with my mom and dad, um, with my brother, even with like your mom when she was around. You know, they were really, really young for that. That was like pre-elementary. Yeah. But your dad, um, when he's when he's been able to be around. So I actually really feel like Honestly, now that they're a little bit older, I feel like that whole quote of it takes a village to raise a child. Like before when I would hear that, I'd be like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of just seemed like super cliche because you hear it so often. But now that our kids are older and I look back, I actually do think there's a lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because unless you're like, homeschooling your kids and you you're not with your kids all day long so shout out to all the homeschool parents i don't know that is like a whole different breed (laughs) of parent like i think if you really want to talk to someone who's parenting i think it's the homeschool moms and or dads if they're homeschool dads um because yeah they're the ones that are like giving it all up to be home with their kids all day long and being the primary teacher Versus like our situation and many other people's who've decided to put their kids in schools. 
you really are entrusting your community, your village, to help raise your child. I also do think there's been, yeah, just like, like I said, I mentioned people in the church, and I think even like church leaders too, like people on staff who've been kind to our children. And I mean, I think even recently I heard like Jaden say something about like even the youth leaders now at the avenue and he's mentioned something to me like he's like I feel like they're kind of like one of the rare leaders that truly love what they do and truly care about the kids yeah like truly care about the kids and even for like a 16 16 year old to like recognize that those leaders don't just do it like as a job like they actually do it because they love young people and love the youth I mean, that was huge to me, like, just to hear him say that he could identify that in someone else. Um, yeah, I think all of those things make an impact. And even, like, his band director mm-hmm. has made a positive impact impact on his life. So I just feel like, really, honestly, I just feel, like, lucky to have observed Jaden grow up in such a positive way. Mm. And I think... I don't feel like I did anything really hands on. Okay, so I would, I would, yeah, I think that's really good because I think you are also. I'm, I'm thinking about our upbringings, and as we've mentioned before, we were there for most of our upbringing, right? We met at twelve, you know, like I. Um, we we both know the setting that we grew up in, mm-hmm. for the most part, you know. Um, I can think of our upbringing too, and the way we were raised. We also had a village. There were people that were around that weren't our parents necessarily. They were helping shape and guide the thing. Um, totally. Like I can, I can name a couple mentors, you know, from our church circle. Um, yeah. School friends, you know, um, yeah, same, same for you. I'm assuming just like church relationships and like other people. I think it really is. It is a village, but I would say, I think your initial point is I, I didn't do anything, but it takes a village. And I think, your contribution, and I think probably, I mean, both of our contribution um, outside of just the conversations at, at home or how we, you know, correct the kids or whatever, or what values we instill was curating the community. I do think we probably were more apt to keep an eye on what you're doing and who you're hanging out with and putting putting them in places, in positions to be in places around people that are po- positive, have a positive influence. It's the mm. sound of, yeah. There's the train. Uh, see, I, t- I, that guy hates his job. For sure. It's 9.30 p.m. and he's, he's <laughs> either he hates his job or he's really loves his job. Um, yeah, it's the sound of capitalism. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I think, um, yeah. And I don't we, even think like, we were pretty intentional with, we could have been more intentional, but for the most part, somewhat intentional about having them in church, which essentially put them around more Christians. Mm-hmm. Not all Christians are perfect. Not all Christians do it right. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Like, Oh, it's only Christians who are good. Actually, a lot of the a lot of bad people are Christians too. Like it's just how it goes. But 
the likelihood that they would be around other people who are at least trying to head in the right direction uh, is higher if you're in, around in church. And so student leaders that they've had over the years, um, other Christian friends. And then we sort of knew what houses they were hanging out at for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder and harder to, to keep track of that now. But I think we, we know, like we're texting with those parents or yeah, whatever. I try to at least be aware. I'm mm-hmm. always asking Jaden questions. I at least want to know like who he hangs out with. You know, what are they like? What is their family like? Like We've know. met all the kids he hangs out with too. A lot of them have been over here. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but a good percentage of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that every adult that's ever been around us has like, I don't think they've like mentored our yeah, kids no, or like poured into them. Like, I don't even think it has to be super intentional like that. I think yeah. even just them seeing like positive functioning adults. Because our community was a circle of positive functioning adults for the most part. Yeah. We ourselves hung around with those people. That's interesting. I think that's interesting to process out loud. Actually, that's good. I think it's good for a child just to observe. Yeah. People. I, I, I'm thinking about all the nights that we had people over at our house in all the church settings that we've been in all 5 million of them. Um, all good people. Yeah. Everybody who came into our home for a dinner or a hang or a fight night or a UFC fight or a game seven finals or whatever, all the parties we've, we've thrown over the years. All Those are all the people that were in our homes. That was our community. Those are all good people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which had some influence on the kids. Yeah, I think yeah. it does. And yeah, so there's that. And I will say... I think there were things that we both tried to not replicate from our childhood. Yeah. yeah. So like not not saying that I'm not thankful at all for my upbringing. I'm very thankful. I know that all of our parents do the best that they absolutely can do. Um, you know, given all the resources they have, given the circumstances. I am very thankful. But you and I did grow up in a very strict we both grew up in really strict homes where there was a lot of rules and you know much more legalism Mm. than what we operate by now a lot more fear Mm -hmm. based and I just remember the way I reacted to that as a teenager was not well Mm. like the more my father would use like fear-based tactics I just it kind of like pushed me away more and I just knew now I was like, okay, when we have, when our kids are growing up, like I don't ever want to, to operate from like a fear standard. Like I just always wanted us to have like open communication. I mean, I feel like you and I like explain everything pretty straightforward with the kids mm-hmm. when it comes to different subjects, different to- line, topics. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a much more uncomfortable to be super straightforward and to talk about subjects like very point blank. But then at the same time, I'm like, I just don't really want there to be like this big question mark. And then like, we just don't do it because it's wrong. You know, well, why is it wrong? Or, well, how, you know, how is that like when I how is that going to make me feel or like the consequences or what are possible consequences? 
well, what do you do if that were to happen? Like, I just want us to always have like very open, honest conversations. And I think because we've parented that way, I do think we have like more trust between us and the kids Mm -hmm. than maybe we had with our parents. Like, I definitely feel like I think Jaden trusts us more than I did trusting my parents like as as far as like conversations and like opening up yeah openness for sure um doesn't have to hide as much stuff yeah doesn't feel the need to i mean i'm sure they're uh, clearly they're hiding things but um yeah yeah Yeah. there's it's an open dialogue household i think for the most part yeah and i love much more than how we grew up yeah yeah i really love that i feel like the kids aren't afraid to talk to us about most subjects yeah like i I think like 99 percent of things yeah Maybe I could be overshooting. Maybe mm. 97. I don't know. But I feel like most things, I do feel like they have this comfortability. Like they could come and talk to us. I agree. Which I did not have in high school. And I really wish I had had. What? Why? Why, why not? Why didn't you? Because that wasn't fostered. Mm. Again, it was like coming from the authority was just instructions Mm. like don't do this period Mm -hmm. if you do this you're sinning and you're allowing evil to come into your life period no other conversation like well if you were to feel tempted in doing this or if you do come across this situation I want you to come talk to me or maybe you should try this tactic or you can use this as a resource. There wasn't any other conversation of like tools at all. It was just instruction. Hmm. So again, I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for the best that they did. And lack of relationship, essentially. It was rules with no relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's Old Testament versus New Testament. You were raised by Old Testament God. And we are <laughs> raising the kids in New oh, Testament. definitely. Relationship with definitely God as opposed to, as opposed to sure. <laughs> Yeah. Here's the rules. And again, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't know what parenting is best. We're probably not even parenting our kids the best way ever. I agree. I just, I think I do feel comfortable in this way that we have parented and yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it i mean there are certain things i wish maybe we had done better or maybe a little bit more strict on i'm not sure yeah um but yeah at least for the most part as far as the communication i'm i'm happy about that yeah and i hope it only continues i think it's created a good foundation in these years so that when they do become adults I hope that just grows even more and they continue to just communicate with us, you know, as their problems become bigger yeah, I, and that's, more that's complex. The, that's the goal, I think, is for parenting or uh, for the relationship to not stop. Mm-hmm. You know, we're creating, I mean, I've said this before, I'm not raising kids, I'm raising my brothers. You know, I have to raise men that I would desire to be brothers with mm. after... 18 or 20 or whatever it is. Um, And so I hope, I hope the relationship continues, but I think, man, uh, there was this, I once, once in a blue, blue once uh, upon a millennium ago, 
uh, I used to preach. And there was there was one time in 23rd, nope, 11, 12, a long time ago, I gave I gave a sermon on parenting, and I was absolutely not qualified for it. I mean, our kids were young; we had two kids, but it that was it was a part it was part of the sermon series we were in. I had to hit, I had to hit like rearing children or whatever. Um, I wish I remembered that sermon. I yeah. loved, I loved preaching Tim. By the way, uh, I thought it was super cool. I was still fat. Um, That's okay. No, You're no, still no, no. a good preacher. No, it was mostly jokes. Just like how it is now when I like get up and do announcements, nobody has any idea what I said. They just remember that it was funny because I immediately click into defense mechanism mode, which is like, I'm unattractive and all these people know it, so I'm just going to be funny. Um, it's an old muscle that was developed. But uh, I do remember it, it impacted me greatly. This was forever ago, but I... Uh, it was a study, and I and I swear, I wish I could find this article. It was either Time Magazine or Wall Street Journal. It was like some major, major publication. They did this study on um, on parenting and Christianity and passing down the faith from generation to generation as they had studied and seen that Christian that it, there's a severe decline, drop off in in um, the amount of children that adopt their parents' faith particularly in Christianity. I mean, it's only gotten worse. The study was 10 years ago. But it uh, not just studied faith. It was studying um, like our particular upbringing, like sort of an AG thing. And they did, I believe they did a study at, at a fine arts festival. Do you remember this? No. This is crazy. You've never told me about this. Fine arts is something that, wow, oh man. You'd have to do a whole other podcast on this, I think, on that really? topic. If you know, if you know what fine arts is, looking back and having been removed from it now for however long, ten over ten years, um, but, but having been removed from that setting, grateful for a lot of it, but goofy, I, goofy. I had to explain to someone recently what we did in fine arts. Yeah, and you, I, you didn't grow up competing in sign language and I, as <laughs> ministry, and somebody got an award that they sign languaged better for a during revelation song yeah when i was yeah. explaining it it was it's crazy it's weird to it's communicate crazy to explain loud. but if you're in it you're like oh yeah 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 yeah. The national competition you're like yeah it's so normal to compete against other christian churches kids. for who's getting more souls saved for with your art ministry better yes and you're getting Lo- locally and then it. you go to nationals and you all fly to wherever Washington DC we did DC what did we do we did Austin there were a few anyway this is a hard tangent anyway we'll talk about that at some point but this is this is an AG thing fine arts it's a wild situation um you learn how to perform you learn how to perform you're actually you're actually um hmm, rewarded for performing I'll say that um which we, yeah, well, let's get into that. That's a different, that's a completely different thing. <laughs> Tangent. Irregardless, the study I read shook me because it referred to um, the, the study, uh, the percentage of, of, of Christians our, our age that were walking away from their parents' faith and how much that percentage rate was precipitating generation over generation, getting worse, blah, blah, blah. But they actually chose to not only study those who walked away, but those who stayed 
with the faith, those, those who decided to continue to pursue Christianity and the, what the defi- deciding factors were like, okay, out of, you had a really strong youth group that changed the percentage by like 2%. Um, you had a really great church, you know, and you were involved in your youth group or your student ministry, you had a good youth pastor. Okay. That changed the percentage by another one or 2%. Um, you're gr- not only your, were your parents Christian, but your grandparents were cr- Christian. Okay. That was a one or 2% addition. That was all those like tiny factors, uh, as, and then your race, you know, did you, did your family come from money? Did your family not come from money? Those all had sort of relatively minuscule, um, they were smaller factors The the single biggest factor that they could determine as to whether or not a kid will pursue the faith of their parents was if they felt like their parents lived in the real world. Wow. And this was a non-Christian study. This was like a secular organization. They took like a 500 or like a thousand of these family units and kids and interviewed the kids separately from the parents and interviewed them together. And then just the parents and did like a research on where the kids were at a few years later, post-college and the single biggest factor that they could point to was when the kids when the kids answered, do you feel like your parents live in the real world? Without further explanation, like you know what the real world means. Um, if, if the answer was yes, they were most likely to continue to stay Christian. If their answer was no, they, they, they were least likely to, be, to continue to be a Christian. So meaning like they saw their parents not living in a bubble? Yes. And really operating yeah. in real world. Yeah. Wow. Because I would say that is a gap at times with previous generations of Christians. One that I wanted to address, I think, in our home with the way, and I think it was helpful that it's not like both of us are in full-time ministry. You are not. You are out in the real world. You work with humans you're a nurse. Many Cra- humans. Yes. You know, in the full sense of that term, mm-hmm. crazy people, it's wild, whatever. You got bosses, you got all kinds of things. You know, it's easy when your dad is or your your parents are in full-time ministry to sort of peg on them. Oh, you don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really understand the real world. I'm going to go figure this out after you guys raise me. You know, I have to go figure this out because the bubble you guys live in isn't real, isn't real life. Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain extent, that is also probably part of why... I've always continued to try and have my hand in like music production stuff and working outside of church too, is just to have still keep a few toes in the non church bubble. Cause the church bubble can be, can take a toll mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways, like how you view the world and how you interact with people and, and all that stuff. And so I don't, I don't know. I think I, th- I would say probably outside of the community thing, the single biggest thing outside of that is that, I think there what there were there have been levels of intentionality of keeping our home not just a Christian bubble. Mm-hmm. Also, what's different than our parents is we don't just listen to Christian music. Yeah. That that would be one of the things. I wouldn't say that that's the thing. That's not like the answer. It it's that's a symptom of the other answer, which is we are making an intentional effort to live in the real world mm-hmm. and be like just kind of regular people too who are living through our Christianity but not just for Christianity which is kind of I think how our parents were raised it was like you know they couldn't wait to get back to church 
oh god i gotta sludge through these conversations with my uh, unsaved co-workers uh you know what are you doing hanging around with somebody who's not in the spirit or a christian like i can't is it wednesday night already gosh i can't wait to get back to church to to be around christians like sort of escape the real world and finally mm, get escapism it's a big time escapism finally yeah. got to escape like you guys don't understand you people out here you're all whatever you're sitting you're living your own, in your own ways you're hell-bound it's I, clear maybe that stuff is true that is true but like i don't think we were called to like escape it or keep it at a arm's length distance and then finally just go back with our real people our christian people mm. so we can speak the language we all know mm -hmm. together in a little bubble yeah. Um, I think that was probably the biggest difference, but yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. That's not even a parenting point. That's just more like, general, but I, general, I think that, that, like, that has had an impact on the kids. I would say, I mean, we, eh, for better or for worse, we do listen to maybe relatively inappropriate music in the car with them. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Cause it's like, <laughs> Well, I mean, it goes back to how we were raised. I mean, yeah. we were raised like, if you listen to that music, you're... You're letting the devil in. Yeah, you're letting yeah. the devil in. Like, you've, in, you've told me that story so many times that you had to burn... You had I had like fake CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Party or something. Oh, you CD burning burn party. Where, yeah, it wasn't meaning you copy the CDs. It means you like take your secular music and you, you burn it. Yeah, yeah, and like in a pile. And you had to hide everything yeah. from your parents. Like my parents thought I only listened to Christian music. I'm pretty sure they did. But they didn't know I was listening to Beyonce hey, and Destiny's Child and all, Spice Girls. all the booty shaking songs. I mean, I was listening to them whether or not they knew it. But I felt like having to hide it added like a layer of yeah. shame. Like it just was like, I gotta hide this. Like I gotta fake that I only listen to Christian music just so my I'm appeasing my mom and dad. Like I already know. Like if we did that, our kids would do that. Like there, there's just like yeah. I knew that would happen. So instead of trying to fight it, I feel like we just embrace it. Like good mm -hmm. music is good music. We're all gonna listen to it. Let's just be real. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Obviously, there are some songs that... A little much. I will, upon occasion, hear one of the children's listening to, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, Liam's Yeah, that, uh, that's whoa. a bit much. Liam's goes crazy a little bit. Um, so those ones I definitely do pray through, and I just... There's a lot of those moments that I do have to like just give to God and just like trust God that my kids are going to be okay. <laughs> Despite the really crazy songs. Yeah. But hey. It's good. People, you know, listen to, to Tupac and they still love Jesus. <laughs> Shonda. Okay. Well, that's it, folks. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye.